<laughs> it's good to see everybody. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 18, and we're going to cover a lot of material today, so hang with me. It's good to see everybody here. Thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> I've been drinking a lot of water lately. Uh, thank you for that. Some prayers for me. I, uh, I appreciate it so much. I battled a, uh, a little bout there of uh, kidney stone, and I got all kinds of advice from people what to drink and not drink and do and not do. And uh, somebody said it was as close as a man would come to feeling like what a woman feels when she gives childbirth. And I said, the difference is, a few months later, she'll say, I'll do that again. But I, but the man's going to say, no, I, I, I don't want any more. <laughs> so uh, this morning, as we get started, I want to ask Towns Taylor to come up. And he's going to read our scripture for us this morning. Matthew 1, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Thank you. Excellent, Pam. Great job, Towns. Appreciate that. So very, very much. You did a great job. By the way, I know he's a baseball fan. Towns, I'm a baseball fan. Appreciate that. Uh, and uh, he's a big Astros uh, fan there and uh, loves the game. And uh, his dad's a fan. We're not going to talk about the other sports team his dad likes because this is a pulpit of mercy. <laughs> Those that know him will understand that. <clears throat> Well, um, last week Al explained who Matthew was and why he wrote this royal lineage uh, and this book to a Jewish audience talking about the king of kings. And uh, uh, every time you see the word in Matthew, the word kingdom, I want you to think of the word reign, not what comes from the sky, but what rules over somebody, a kingdom, right? A king reigns. So every time you see the word kingdom, think reign. Seek first his kingdom, see, and then also, what's that mean? That's going to be talking about how he reigns over your life. You don't have to worry about what you eat or drink or how you drink because you're in the kingdom and the king rules and reigns your life. And so you're going to see that over and over again in this uh, deal. So he talked about that royal lineage and what led that Joseph's lineage actually, which actually came from David, and how that was royal and what that uh, uh, brought into action here is Joseph uh, who leads his family. Now, <clears throat> Matthew writes concerning this birth of this king. And here's an interesting thing, by the way, uh, uh, I think it's real important to know. He's writing a Jewish audience. So what's been their Bible all their lives? The Old Testament, right? And so Matthew takes at this time, he reaches back into the Old Testament with one hand, pulls it up to say, here's what's happening now. And with his other hand points to the promise of the book that gives us hope for eternal life. Those things written aforetime were written for our learning that we might have hope, Paul wrote in the book of Romans. And so Matthew does this understanding who his audience is. That's why you're going to uh, also see he talks a lot about uh, the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. 
Matter of fact, even in this section we're going to look at, as he points to the Old Testament, uh, he's going to uh, use like Matthew one twenty three. It's going to be a prophecy, a prophecy out of Isaiah 7. Matthew chapter 2, 5, and 6, prophecy out of Micah 5. Uh, chapter 2, verse 15, Hosea 11. Chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, Jeremiah 31. So he, uh, the, the writer, he, Matthew's brilliant in how he does this because he understands the Jewish audience. And so now he's piling on the weight, things that they consider weighty, the Old Testament, to say... This is what's happening. God planned it. But you know, they always had a problem understanding this thing about the king and the kingdom. And uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. So let's look a little bit about Joseph. Normally, you hear this text preached at Christmas, and uh, I appreciate that uh, very, very much. But we're going to talk about it more than at Christmas. And, uh, I mean, if you want to send a gift to my wife, feel free to, but... Uh, uh, this is not the Christmas time, okay? Uh, first, let's look at Matthew 1, 18 through 25. I just want to read it, and then we'll talk about, in this section, Joseph and the birth of the king. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged or betrothed to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, this betrothal, by the way, was a legal Thing. It wasn't just like our engagements that we have. It was actually a legal contract that they have. And it typically lasted in the, uh, those families about a year uh, before that she would actually move out of her house and then, and then consummate the marriage with her husband. And so he may even be called husband during this time, but uh, the, the, the marriage hadn't totally happened yet. But they're betrothed or pledged. And because Joseph, uh, but she... Uh, uh, found uh, to be with child through the Holy Spirit. That's problematic right off the bat. I mean, which one of you are going to believe that? If you're engaged to your girlfriend and she comes and says, Hey, look, I'm pregnant and you know you haven't been together. And she says, Don't worry, it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if the, uh, I would believe that, although it, it did happen one time. But because Joseph, her husband, now look here's what he says, was a righteous man. Think about this. Some versions say he's a just man. So if he's a Jewish righteous man, what kind of man is he? He's a, he's a Psalm 1 man. Let me just flip back and read real quick. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of mockers. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And, his, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whether he, whatever he does prospers. Verse 6 of Psalm 1. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will perish. He's this kind of man. He's a just, a righteous guy. He wants to do the right thing. His roots go deep down into the Old Testament, the Word of God. But because he's a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He cared for the woman. He loved this woman. And even though the law said he could put her away, he didn't want to make a spectacle out of it. He wanted to take care, even cared for her shame, 
while thinking that she had done something shameful. Hey, girls, y'all find a guy like this? Marry him. It's a good man. But after he had considered this, now, basically, he's already made up his mind to do it. He's just trying to think, okay, which way am I going to do this? How's this going to take place? An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, by the way, uh, three more times in our text today, he's going to get dreams. I don't know that he ever had one from the Lord before, but he's going to get an angel in a dream three more times. So he has an angel comes to him in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. He'll save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Here he goes. Matthew pulls out, reaches back and pulls the Old Testament into it. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the, and he gave him the name Jesus. A righteous man, not wanting to put her in the shame, all of a sudden has this angel communicate to him. And by the way, I love this. It tells about his character. Since his character was a godly character, when he listened and had a message from God, he took action and obeyed it. And I love that about him. And he's going to do that several more times in our text. This is the kind of guy he is. So... This consideration of his mind, to think about this, the consideration of his mind is changed by the communication of his God. I hope I can be as open to the message of God and his Holy Spirit, which he's given us right here in this book, by the way. I hope I can be open to this message of God to change maybe what I've considered in the past, To make me where I'm obedient to God. Shame on us for believing the same old thing, the same old way uh, forever without ever challenging our own beliefs with the Word of God. So he got God's communication and he obeyed it, even though that really wasn't what he had planned. So this angel thing, as I mentioned, is going to become a habit in his life. Now his obedience reflected his faith. He did what was right. But now think about this. When he took her, he did what was right. But what did he know was going to happen? What's everybody else thinking? He did what was right knowing he would be shamed by those around him and she would be too. And he'd have to protect her in that. Because he knew everybody was going to talk. Everybody's going to say, are you kidding? That ain't Joseph's. Or they're going to say, yeah, that Joseph, the guy you thought was just and right. Yeah, Leah, look what happened. She ended up pregnant before they ever got married. You think that's an action of a righteous man? By the way, it's not. In our culture, we need to understand it's not. We've kind of lost the idea of what's right and wrong sometimes. It's not right to sleep together before you're married. 
Can I just say that out loud, clear, make that good and understood? Righteous people don't do that. No, it's not right. And people who claim to be right with God, that's not a righteous thing. But what does he do? He takes the shame of it as if it had happened to him when it didn't. And takes her to be his wife. Now, Joseph and his son, he gives the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. Let's talk about this for just a minute. This isn't the kind of king the Jews were looking for. Remember, they're looking for a king that's going to restore the kingdom. And they're thinking their nation of Israel. They're thinking the Jewish king. They're not thinking we're going to get a king that's going to save us from our sins. Even though the Old Testament prophets said that, that's not what they were thinking. So all of a sudden, that that becomes a different message. And then Jesus is going to fight that battle with them all along in his ministry because they're trying to correct their concept of the kingdom of God. Emmanuel, God with us. Who's the us? It's all of us. In Isaiah 53, he says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Who's the our? That's mankind. That's you. That's me. Why is this important? Because from the Old Testament on, God was pushing the boundaries out, saying that this king that's going to come is not about being king over just the physical Jews or the physical Israel that existed there. It wasn't about that. We still got that messed up. It's not about him being king over a physical nation called Israel. He makes it clear by the prophecies he's dying for our iniquities. God with us. It's all of us. It's my sin. It's your sin that he died for. So when God became flesh, an amazing thing. That God would choose to become human for us. And by the way, I remember one time I was studying with a guy in the Bible. And I was explaining the gospel. And I was going through the incarnation. And, he, and I said, would you, uh, would you send your child uh, uh, to, uh, to, to, to the earth to die for, uh, for the sins of someone who had just raped and, and murdered her? Would you, would you give your son for that guy that did that? And the guy said, I give my son. I was shocked. I said, what do you mean? Oh, yeah, if I was going to get my son back just like I had him before. He said, that's all God did. God sent Jesus, got him back just like it nothing ever happened. I said, you don't understand the incarnation. See, there, Paul said there's only one man. That's our mediator. The man, Christ Jesus. When he rose up out of the ground, his body came out of the ground, and that man went back to heaven to sit there as our mediator. That ascension guarantees us we have one of our own on the throne. So he's a man. So something happened. I don't understand it all. But something changed. When he became flesh, he changed something about him for eternity. The sacrifice didn't just take place at the cross. It took place at the incarnation. A change happened. Just stick that one in your hmm box and think about it, okay? 
God from the beginning meant Jesus to be the King and Savior of all men, not just physical Israel. And in his ministry, he keeps running up against this. But now let's look in chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, uh, he's a beaut, by the way, if you ever read any history about him. Uh, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Okay, now, we're not going to read the entire text, but you know typically the story, right? Now, I know it messes up our Christmas stuff. Because we sing things, we sing things like we three. They're not kings. They're not kings. Nowhere in the Bible does it say they're kings. With all, if, if so, what nations are they kings? We can't find it in history anywhere. The Magi are wise men. As a matter of fact, sometimes it refers to wise men and priests. And how many of them are there, by the way? Now, now I've already got you scared into not answering. I get it. They, you know. Uh, three, we don't know. We we usually say three because of the gifts that were given, right? But look, uh, like one writer said, uh, uh, if one of your little figurines on the shelf, if one of your wise men uh, fall off and break, don't feel like you've got to rush down to the store and replace him to get the story right, okay? Two still plural. It's all right. The Magi, they come and they're seeking this child and, they, and, and, and the star leads them. And they go through uh, and have a little meeting with King Herod. Now, he does not want the king of kings born anywhere because he's king. And he's feeling pretty threatened by the stuff that's happening. But these three guys, they come and, and, and by the time they visit Jesus, by the way, if you'll notice here, uh, let's see, uh, in verse uh, 10. Uh, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the, what? House. He's not in, he's not in the manger. He's not out where the cows are. He's not in the barn. As a matter of fact, by the way, he's almost a year, probably a year old by this time. I know that messes up your nativity scene, but you know. They saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and of myrrh. I, I love this. They come, they've traveled, they understand who he is. And so when they come, they come with a blessing for the king. They acknowledge he's king. They bow down. They worship. And then they give their money. Now, if I was a good televangelist, I would right now tell you that you need to bow down, worship Jesus, and give give us your money. You know, I mean, uh, I, I, I remember hearing this story about three of these preachers trying to decide about the contribution and the money. One of them said, well, I draw a real small circle around my feet. Now, when I get all the collection from the church, I throw it up in the air, and whatever lands outside uh, is mine, and whatever lands inside the circle is God's. And the other priest said, I kind of do it just the opposite. I draw a huge circle, and I throw all the contribution up in the air, and whatever lands in the circle is mine, and whatever lands outside the circle is God's. The third guy said, you know what? I, I, I do mine a little different. I draw a circle. I stand in it. I take all the money the church has given. I throw it up into the air, and whatever God wants, he keeps, and whatever comes down is mine. 
And that's why they don't let me and Alan count the money. Now, sometimes we see this offering and we forget something about it. Guess what's just fixing to happen? Joseph doesn't realize it yet how much he's going to need this financial support. Because look what happens then in verse 13. When they had gone, when the, the, when the wise guys leave, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. Here we go, an angel again. And a dream. Get up, he said. Take this child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until uh, I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled. Here's the prayers Matthew using the Old Testament again. So fulfilled what the prophet had said through the prophet out of Egypt. I've called my son. And when you're fixing to go on a trip like that, you need a little financial support. And guess what he had from the guys that came. Then when when Herod realized that he had been outwitted because these wise guys fooled him, they didn't go back his way. He was furious and he gave the order. Now this is a... This is a brutal, brutal king. He gave an order to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old or under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah, here's Matthew again reaching back into the Old Testament, pulling in. You need your whole Bible, by the way. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Herod comes about killing all those baby boys. And by the way, if you don't think he's concerned about keeping himself as king, not only did he kill them, he killed his own family members that threatened the throne. He killed his own son that he thought might threaten the throne. One of the historian writers, Macrobius, wrote this concerning this time in history. When Caesar Augustus heard that Herod, uh, uh, king of the Jews, had ordered boys in Syria under the age of two to be put to death, and that the king's son was among those killed, he said... I would rather be Herod, I would rather be Herod's pig than Herod's son. He knew how brutal this man was. Imagine the terrorism that grabbed the hearts of those families. Imagine a man Pulling a baby, pulling a one-year-old out of the arms of its mother to slay and take the life. I couldn't help but think as I was reading this and thinking about this weekend with 9-11. Jesus was born in a context of terrorism. Matter of fact, it took place as an effort to stop the plan of God. 
And evil men still commit terrorist acts, as we saw 20 years ago in our own nation. Don't ever forget that comes from evil men. Evil men who terrorize always cause the death of the innocent. And it still happens today. Imagine that terrorism. The innocent suffered by evil men, used by Satan, to destroy lives and to disrupt the plan of God. Al is out of town today, and Al is speaking at an event near Shanksville, Pennsylvania, honoring United Flight 93 and its passengers and crew. I'm proud how has that opportunity he was texting me last night about it. We do a memorial, as our brother mentioned earlier, every Sunday, honoring the blood of an innocent man that was shed for our lives so that our sins could be forgiven and we might have hope. Well, In Matthew chapter 2, verse 19 through the rest of this chapter, Joseph runs into two more angels. It says in verse 19, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. That would be good news to me as a parent. Right? So he got up, took the child and his mother, and he went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judah in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, here we go again, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. And once again, Matthew reaches back and takes the words, at least spoken words of the prophets. Actually, that's not written in any of the prophets specifically. But they said more than what they wrote down, right? So here's this journey, this royal escape, this family where Joseph becomes the rescuer of the one who would rescue the world. Thought about that? Joseph protects the one that would eventually die to save you from your sins. I am thankful for Joseph. I am thankful for his righteousness. I am thankful for his listening to the word of God. And I am thankful for his immediate obedience when he knew what God wanted him to do. That's the kind of guy I want to be like right there. We need some Josephs in amongst us. What a man. Be like Joseph. This child born of the Holy Spirit, 
said to be the Son of God, God with us. And then God tells Joseph, Joseph, this gift I'm going to put in your hands to take care of. This beautiful woman that's had this child, she's going to be your wife. You're going to take care and protect him. Can you imagine? I was thinking about I was thinking about Joseph at the end of this chapter. I was thinking, do, do you think there were some nights he was like, you know, I, I I don't know if I want to go sleep again. I mean, I don't know. I mean, how many angels can you stand in your life coming to you, right? Or maybe it was the opposite. Maybe every time there was a hard time, he said, "Honey, I got I got to go to bed. We got I got to find out what to do." By the way, that, that's, that's why I go to bed so early, Susan, and sleep in the chair and everything else. I'm looking for answers. What a great guy. But not by accident. See, the unwritten stuff is all the things that made Joseph just and righteous to become the man that God had planned to be, to become that man God wanted him to be for this moment in history that affected every person in this room and within the sound of my voice across our podcasts and our other assemblies, this man, Joseph, affected our lives. God's plan. God uses mere human beings He used an ordinary man to accomplish extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. And I believe God's still in the business of using ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. And you're the ordinary. Celebrate it and be used by God. Amen? Yeah. So be a Joseph. The Jews just couldn't quite swallow that idea that God was with us or that God was near. Because remember in their history, you could not even approach the base of the mountain. And if you did, you got struck dead. You couldn't come to God. They understood the distance between holiness and unholiness. They understood that they couldn't run. So now all of a sudden when the king is born, Jesus is raised up and he's out teaching people. He's with them, God with us, because he'll save them from their sins. He's trying to help correct their idea here. And all of a sudden he tells a story that says, let me tell you how God really is. Let me tell you about a father that when his broken son's life is a mess, and starts to come home, that father is looking and waiting and runs to embrace him. To say, I love you, and you're forgiven. God came near. What an amazing thought for the Jewish mind. To go from the fear of dying to touch the edge of the mountain of God to the point where God's opened up his arms and embraces me and forgives me of my sin. That he didn't come to 
rescue me from the Romans. He came to rescue me from my own sinfulness and my own brokenness. And that's why he came for us too. To rescue us from our sinfulness and our own brokenness. And just like the father of the prodigal son runs to embrace his boy and forgive him, he'll run to embrace you today too. Will you turn down the embracement of God? Don't do it. Put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. And be a part of a kingdom that's greater than anything physically the world's ever imagined. Because the King of Kings is now your Savior and Lord. Embrace that God. Embrace that Son. And become a child of His. If you have a need, would you come while together we stand and we sing?